Good morning. morning. All right, fam. We good? Are we good? Anybody excited about the word this morning? Wow, there's a lot of kids in that class. What's up? Here's a quote this morning. Comes from a non-believer. Most people are bothered by those passages in Scripture that they don't understand. But as for me, the passages which trouble me most are those that I do understand. Amen. So many people get caught up on difficult Scriptures when there's so many easy Scriptures that we're already not following. Oh, it's going to be a quiet morning. We got quiet all of a sudden. What's going on? Come on, let's get excited about the Word. Please stand for the reading of the Word. Good afternoon, church. Man. I'll be reading from the book of John in the 17th chapter, starting with verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you take, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your world, your word is truth. As they sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for the sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Amen. 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 I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me. I do not, I'm sorry, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they may add, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me even as you loved me. Amen. 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 Those are red letter words. Right? Those are words that Jesus said. His, that, was, that actual the, uh, scripture was a prayer from the Son to the Father. And, and His prayer is that you and I would be one. 
that we would be one. Right? See, the heart of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit is that we may be one. And what, what Paul is dealing with here in this passage that we've been going through and dealing with in, in, in the church at Corinth is, is that they would be one, that there would be unity in the body. We've been reading through Paul's letter to, through, to the Corinthians and I'm, I'm hoping that you're starting to understand Paul a little better. Because it's important that you understand the writer, amen? It's important that you kind of get where he's getting. And you, you see, Paul had an encounter with Jesus, right? And we talked about that before. Per, Paul's life was turned upside down or, or right side up is probably a better way to, to say it, right? And I truly believe, and I believe this, I believe when Paul got Jesus, Paul got Jesus. You, 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 you with me? When Paul got Jesus, and understand, this is the part that matters, but I believe when Paul got Jesus, Paul got Jesus. He, he understood Him. See, a lot of, you know, sometimes some of us get Jesus, but we don't get Jesus. Am I confusing you or are you with me? Some, see, uh, we, we, we call ourselves Christians and whatever, and, and, and we get it, and we've accepted Christ, and, and that's what matters, but, but we haven't yet taken on the character of Christ. See, I think Paul understood his heart. I think Paul got him. And, but, but, but to be sure, to, so that, so that you, you know, don't, don't be discouraged. I don't believe that Paul, by, that by getting him, he got all the answers to all the questions and the mysteries of life. Just like you and I are not gonna have all the answers to all the questions and the mysteries of the word. Is everybody okay with that? No matter how much you come to church, no matter how long you, you're in church, with our finite minds, we will never fully understand the infinite God. Amen. So, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, you come to church twice and you have an experience with God and then you get this complete understanding. Although the, the, the Word says that our eyes are open and so that, hey, that's a great start, Amen. It's a great start, but you understand that you're never going to understand the full mysteries. I'll, I'll confess to you, i tell you the truth, there are some things that I still don't understand. I know some of you are already looking up new churches on your Google. So i got to go to a church where the pastor knows what he's talking about. There's some things, I'll give you addresses if you want, you know, there's a lot of churches in the neighborhood. But there's some things that I still wrestle with as your pastor. There, there's some, some things that I still have a hard time with. I, I'll confess to you, this is cool. I'm reading a book right now titled, The God I Don't Understand. You should see the looks I get on the train. People look at like, they must think like I'm a hardcore atheist or, or you know, nobody understands. They're just like looking at the book, the title, looking at me, looking at the title. I'm like, what? 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 The God I don't understand. And honestly, for me, just that a Christian would write this book and share that he doesn't have it all figured out, that interests me already. Right? And that's kind of what, what, what led me to it. And I actually, I bought it for somebody else, but whenever I give somebody a book, I, I buy it for me so I can read it because, you know, it's important. I don't want to give somebody, you know, porqueria that they're reading, right? And so I started, the other person hasn't even got the gift yet, but I started re reading this book. And, and I, I got to tell you, man, the first few chapters were just liberating for me. See, it, you know how sometimes things happen? Anybody? Things happen, and, 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 and this is the funny thing. You know, the, the longer we're in churchianity, not Christianity, but churchianity, 
Right? The longer we're in churchianity, the more mature in churchianity we get. We learn how to tie a pretty little scripture to whatever issue that we're happen, have, you know, going through and say it's good. You know what I'm talking about? You can't pay your bills? Well, the Lord will supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. I'm good. Somebody tells you, well, you know, I don't know why this happened or why. Well, that's okay, brother, because God's in charge. Right? Well, you know, I don't know how much longer I can... Whoa, 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 stop it. God says He will not give you more than you can handle. So chill out and stop complaining and keep it moving. Anybody been hit with those scriptures at the wrong time? Now, now listen, don't get me wrong. Those are all very true statements. And it's okay to speak the word over yourself. And it's good to speak that word because it is a true statement and we do need to do that. But sometimes we say it's all good when deep inside it's not. You still with me? So, so one of the first few chapters that I read, it reminded me that there are more psalms of grieving and weeping and crying out than there are of praise. Do you know that? How come every time we quote the Psalms, we only quote the praise ones? Did, did you know that there's an entire book in, in the Bible called Lamentations? Lamentations means to cry out passionately, to weep and, and cry out. There's an entire book in the Bible called Lamentations. It's, a, it's about the prophet Jeremiah where he cries out over the destruction of Jerusalem and over everything that he feels God has done. Or that the things that God has allowed to happen to His people, in this case because of their sin and rebellion, but still God has done these things. And so, you know, one, one commentator I read, he wrote, The author has tasted the bitter dregs of pain, of sorrow, of cruelty, of frustration and loneliness, and yet he dares to cling to a faith undaunted, a faith that triumphs over circumstances. See, we all go through things, right? And people ask us all the time, how you doing? And what do we say? I'm alright. Good, I'm good. The truth is, sometimes we're not alright. Is it okay? You still with me? Truth is, sometimes we're not alright. In Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah, he's weeping out over every destruction and humiliation that they're sitting in right now because of their own sin. And, and the beautiful part about it is that he writes it in a set of poetry. He writes a series of poems. And, and here's the key though, and, and, and what the book I'm reading was referring to. He's not alright. The people are not alright. They're not doing well at all. But the fact is, the fact that this little book made it into the Bible along with all of those psalms of, of crying out and, and saying, I'm not okay with this. I don't understand why this is happening right now. Where are you right now, God? The fact that this has, is included in the Holy Scriptures, I believe, gives us permission and allows us the dignity to weep to cry out, to mourn, to lament over our situations. Church, it's okay to cry out. Can I just relieve somebody with that today? 
It's okay to cry out over your family situation. It's okay to weep over your children and the decisions that they've made or are making. It's okay to mourn over loss. It's okay to cry out to God. It's okay to ask why. Why this way, God? Why now, God? Why here? Why at this point, God? It's alright to not be alright sometimes. I, I, I hope that liberates somebody. I hope that ministers to somebody today. Because honestly, I do it all the time. But I used to feel guilty about it. Anybody? I cry out to God and then I beat myself up. Come on, that's not what a good Christian does. Come on, you're a pastor, stupid. Wake up. Come on. Come on, that's not what a man of God, that's not, come on, come on. You know, and I'd beat myself up and I'd feel guilty for, for crying out to God that way. But, but I, I believe God, the Word is freeing us and saying it's okay to not be alright. It's okay sometimes to, to not be alright. The author of Lamentations desires that, that his people recognize the righteousness of God and how sovereign God is, how God knows more, how He sees more, how He, he and, and you know, to get us to understand that and, and still not run from God, not curse God, not shake a fist at God. Not, uh, not turn away in doubt or turn away in disbelief because things didn't go the way that you had planned them to go or things didn't go in a way that makes sense to you. But just the opposite. The author is saying, cast yourselves on the mercy of God. When you don't understand, then throw yourself more at the grace of God. Because we're not all right. See, while... There are incredible mysteries in His Word and in His ways. There, there are also, you know, things, and there's mysteries in the way that He chooses to do things. Anybody wrestle with things sometimes? Just three of us? You guys are good Christians, man. You guys are amazing. One day I want to grow up and be just like you guys. Even though there are like all these mysteries in the Word sometimes, there are also some really simple things that we can get. It starts right in the beginning of the Bible, right? It says, in the beginning, God. Wow. That's an answer for a whole lot of things. In the beginning, God. That means that I am a creation and if I'm a creation then I have a creator and if and if I'm a creation that has a creator then I was created with purpose oh man there's things in the word that we can that that are there's some really easy to understand concepts that we can learn I'll give you a quick one because I'm not all right that's why God sent his son Jesus said, it isn't those that are all right that I came to save, that need a Savior, amen? There's some, also there's some really big promises in the Word that we can trust in. He will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. I believe that. I see that. I've lived that. He does go before us to prepare a place for us. I believe that. In my Father's house are many mansions. He does heal the brokenhearted. He does bind up their wounds. 
He will never leave us or forsake us. There's some really powerful wisdom in the Word that we can walk in. Jesus says, listen, let me give you a great picture that even the brutos can get. I am... (laughs) I am the vine. And you are the branches. This is an easy picture. You don't need a theological degree. He says, I'll put it in Central Park for you. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear fruit. Oh, man. If you don't abide in me and you're cut off, then you will die. And, and then it goes on to say, and in the end, these branches that have been cut off will be gathered and thrown into the fire. What a picture of the gospel, right? That's like the gospel for dummies. Right? It's real plain and simple. There's some really powerful wisdom in there. Even, even in that picture, he says, and, and, and I'm divine and you're the brain. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. And he says, and those that bear fruit, I prune. Mm. Those that don't bear fruit are cut off. But those that bear fruit, I prune. How many, whew, how many Christians are resistant to pruning? You say, God, I'm, I'm, I got fruit. I'm right? I'm doing what you want me to do. I'm coming to church. I'm changing. I'm, I'm, come on, stop with the cutting. Well, God said, listen, when you bear fruit, why do we trim? Why do we prune? So that you would bear more fruit. So that, so that you would bear richer fruit. So that you would bear sweeter fruit. That you would, that it would be more productive. Amen? Amen. There's some, there's some strength that, that, that in the word that can sustain us. The word says, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. If you're feeling weak today, that's a good place to be. There's some incredible truths that can transform us. There's some power that can carry us. The Word says He's our joy. He's the lifter of our heads. He's the sun that surrounds us. He's a shield that protects us. He's a light that can lead us. He's a lamp that can guide us. His Spirit sealed within us instructs us. Ultimately, He's given us everything we need to save us. Why? Because we've earned it? Because we deserve it? No, for the very reason that we're not alright. Listen, in a few minutes we're going to come together for communion. And people ask me sometimes, how come we don't have a regular communion service? How come we don't do it every month? How come we don't do it? How come sometimes we do it a lot and then sometimes we don't do it for six months? Why? Because I, it has to be special for me. I don't ever want to be common about it. I don't ever want it to be a ritual, a tradition, something that we do. It has to be special. Amen? Amen. And so, as we read on in 1 Corinthians 11, last week we, we talked about how Paul was taking care of some of the disruptions that were happening in the church in Corinth. People were offending each other. They were disrupting each other. They were causing distractions whenever they came together to worship. And so last week, you know, we talked about he dealt with the issue of head coverings and the problem that that was causing. Basically, Paul said, listen, if some of your behavior is causing others to be distracted, or if anything you're doing is taken away from the focus of God, then change that behavior. 
He said, I don't care if it's right. I don't care if it's wrong. If it's causing distractions, change it. Amen? But today, that applies to us because it's not just about head coverings. That wasn't the only issue that they were having there also. If we read on in, in 11, starting at 17, he says, Regarding this next item, I'm not at all pleased. Paul's going to go in right now. He said, I'm not at all pleased. I'm getting the picture that when you meet together, it brings out the worst side instead of your best. First, I get the report on your divisiveness and you're competing with and you're criticizing each other. I'm reluctant to believe it, but there it is, he says. He's talking to this church that he planted, that he grew, that he lived with two years, that he poured his life into, and that he's still taking care of. Where Paul's probably locked up in prison right now, but he's still sending letters and receiving letters and answering questions. He's still pastoring from prison. So Paul has a love for this, for this church, and he's saying, I can't believe what I'm hearing is happening in the church. When you get together, he's talking to Christians, he's saying, when you meet together, it brings out the worst in you. There's division and competition and criticism. Church, if they had Twitter or Facebook back then, then we would read their statuses and we would see how within the same church there were attacks and gossip and people who thought they were more righteous than others and we would see their statuses and their comments and, and, and the best thing is that it would be right there in front of the whole world so that the whole world could see the body of Christ shining. We're not all right, church. Verse 20, he says, And then I find that you bring your divisions to worship. I I don't know how you guys feel about that, but those words got me at the core. You bring your divisions to worship. Family, it's okay to say, I'm not alright. But what Jesus is saying and what Paul is teaching here is that it's not okay to use that as an excuse to not walk in unity. It's not okay to, to bring or cause divisions in worship. It's not okay to divide the body into those that are holier than those and those that are more righteous and those that are more spiritual. It's not okay to bring any kind of division to the body of Christ. It's not okay to stand in a group of people where you hold things against each other and worship anyway. This might empty some seats, but I really don't care. I wish, church, that we can get this today. Jesus made it clear in Matthew 5. He says, this is how I want you to conduct yourselves in these matters. If you enter your place of worship, listen to this. This is crazy. It's like he wrote it for today because he did. But this was written... He says, if, if you enter your place of worship and you're about to make an offering and you suddenly remember a grudge or a fr- that a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to that friend, make things right, then and only then come back and work things out with God. Oh my God, what would happen if the body of Christ did that? We might have some Sundays when nobody's here. But then I believe like the Sundays after, 
Oh my goodness. Entire families would come back. Entire families would grow because we went and we made things right with each other and so now we can come and make things right with God. Amen? Listen, if you're here and, and, and there's, there's things, there's this issue, that don't wait another week. Don't wait another day. Guess what? And I hate to say this, it's more important than the Super Bowl. It really is. He made it clear, then and only then, come back and work things out. Listen, if we truly understood why we can come here, why we can worship, we would be so more, so much more able to drop any issues that we have, any anger, any hate, any bitterness, any unforgiveness, any unresolved issues, any argument. Because listen, anything that you can be mad at somebody else for, you've probably done worse. And you still come and praise Adonai on Son and worship Yahweh. Right? You still come and you worship Yahweh, but yet there's little issues that you that you that are unresolved, but, but you're so holy that you still come and you still worship. As if it's okay to do that to God when we tell people it's not okay to do that to me. See, church, we can't receive true, genuine forgiveness until you give true, genuine forgiveness. In Corinth, it was customary that they would gather to have communion, but they would eat first. And they called it the love feast. The love feast. That sounds funny to us, but, but that's what they called it, right? And, and the love feast meant that we just all get together and break bread and we have fellowship and, it, and it's awesome, right? That's an awesome thing, right? But, but what was happening is that they were, they were missing the point. They were coming together to this love feast. They were bringing all this food and drink and the rich would make pigs of themselves and some people would have to be carried out drunk. <laughs> And then some of the poor would still leave hungry. But we're all coming together for this love feast before communion. Paul says you're missing the whole point of communion. You're missing the whole point of fellowship. You haven't yet understood the body. It's quiet up in here today. Chapter 12, Paul, Paul talks about the spiritual gifts and, and what we want to do with that. Listen real close. What we want to do with that is that our next prayer service, not this week, but next week, we're going to, instead of breaking it down and trying to break it down in a, in a, in a sermon, we'd like to, to break it down in a teaching, right, on a Wednesday night. So the, the next prayer service, we're going to do a special night on spiritual gifts. What they are, what they mean for us today, how they operate today. If you're interested, you come out to that prayer, to that prayer night. So it's not that I'm skipping that part of chapter 12. We want to elaborate on it and, and I don't want to do it in this kind of setting. Amen? So right after that, Paul talks about being one body. And how all the parts of the body work together. How we all serve different purposes. How when one part suffers, we all suffer. And when one part rejoices, we all rejoice. Family, that's supposed to be the church. That's supposed to be the church. There shouldn't be people in here silently suffering. 
There shouldn't be people in here, uh, you know, having to think twice about whether I want to go and subject myself to this body on Sunday. Because I might hear some of the gossip, and I might get some criticism, and some people might talk about my outfit, and some people might, might, might uh, make fun of the way I worship, some people might, and, and that shouldn't be a, 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 a process in the morning. It should be, I need to run to the body of Christ, because I need to be with the body of Christ. Why? Because I need to be encouraged, because I need to be lifted up, and because I want to go and lift somebody up, and I want to go and encourage somebody, and I want to make sure that we're all making it. I want to see who's missing today. I want to see who's not here today. I want to reach out and I want to make sure that I go and get them so that next week they're with me here today. Because we're the body and if somebody's suffering, we're all suffering. And if somebody needs, then, then man, take half my donut and you, you have a donut. Now we both have donuts. Amen? Church, that's the church. That's the church that Christ died for. That's the church. We get caught up on such stupidness, don't we? We get caught up on, on, on issues like, oh, this one believes this, this one. Shut up. Just be the body, man. Just walk and, and do what God called you to do. Do your part. The word, the word, he, he goes on to say, he says, we're, we're not all the same. The hand can't say to the ear, I don't need you. Why? Because the hand can't hear. <laughs> It's so crazy, it's silly to even break this down, right? But the, the, the foot can't say to the eye, Oh, we don't need any eyes, we have mighty feet. We're size 14. Not me, I got little feet, but you know what I'm saying. Why? Because the feet could walk all they want, but if the eyes aren't working, the feet will walk right into the pit. And we do it all the time. He says we're all one, we have to work as one. Listen, nobody here wants to see my liver, but without my liver, I can't do what I do. You understand? Every part, what I'm saying is every part is important. And we, we give praise to the, to the, to the, to the ones we see, or, but every part of the body is important. We never want to build a church of all mouths. Heaven forbid. <laughs> Sometimes it feels that way though. Tell you that in love. So, so family, that's the church. That's what I want you to get today. Listen, as we take part in this communion right now, I want those that are going to hand out the communion, you guys can come up and just start handing it out. When it comes to you, I want you to take it and just hold on to it. Do me a favor and don't let it pass you by. If at the end you need to give it back, you can give it back. That's okay. But don't let it pass you by. Take Take it and hold on to it. Amen? See, I want us to resolve some issues of community. Church, there, there are people here today that need fellowship. And some of us only gather with our own friends. There are people here today that could use an encouraging word and instead they're ignored. Because nobody wants to take a risk. Nobody wants to step out. Like, what if I'm rejected? What if that person tells me, shut up. I don't, I don't know you. Then, amen. So what? Amen. We'll get them bounced out of here. But there are people that could use an encouraging word. 
They're, they're fatherless kids in the sanctuary. They're struggling single parents here. There are people here who are tired of the old religious self-righteous ways of the past. And yet, even here in all of our freedom, we still find ways to judge and criticize and tear down. Paul says, stop the behavior. Jesus prayed to the Father that we may be one. We're going to watch a video and I want you to reflect on what we bring to worship. Now listen, if, if you're away, hold on one second, I'm sorry bro. I know I set that up. and Listen, if you're new here today and you're not alright, I'm not asking you to pretend that you are. The reason we can come to communion, the reason that anyone here can partake in communion, hear me, is because we're not alright. Because on our own we've made a mess. And here and there we have some issues and, and we've left some things, we've resolved some things, others we've abandoned. But the beauty of the cross, which is what these emblems represent, is that God sent His Son because we're not alright, to make us right with Him. That's the power of communion. And, and that's why this can't just be something we do. This can't be tradition or ritual. This has to be transforming each and every time. Because Jesus said, do this in remembrance. So the end of 11.28, it says, let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So family, as you hold these emblems in your hands today, I want you to watch. I want you to listen. I want you to reflect. And then I want you to respond. But listen, if there's something that you need to make right today with someone, don't, don't stop. Do it. You can do it now. You can do it right during this time. You can get up and, and make something right. You can write a, an email to somebody. You can text somebody. Feel free. Do whatever you have to do to respond to the cross today. Amen? And once you've done that, you can eat and you can drink at any time during this video. And when you're done, you're free to leave. I'm going to dismiss you right now. When you're done, you're, you're free to leave. But I really, really, truly believe that God wants to do some... God wants to resolve some community. See, I don't ever want this, this place... Right now, I'm, I'm dealing with the landlord. He wants $1.6 for this building. That might as well be $267 million, right? doesn't matter because it's a number that's so far out of our reach that only God can do it. But I don't want this, this, uh, the reason I say I don't want to, to keep growing this church and growing this church. I don't want to knock down walls and add another 100 or 200 people. I don't want to build this if this can't still be the sanctuary. If it still can't be a safe place. I believe we can have five, six, seven hundred, whatever God wants. If it's two, three, I don't care, whatever He wants, whatever God wants. But I believe it has to be. 
the sanctuary. It has to be a safe place where believers can gather, where some can grow and get sent out, where, where ministries can get started and, and go. Where, we're not about holding on to anybody. Whatever, whatever God brings you here for. Amen? Amen? So let's watch. Let's listen. Let's reflect. And let's respond. Just reflect for a moment. 
just going to ask everyone to stand right now. And, and just feel free just to take the bread. Which is a symbol of the body of Christ. Not, on, not only His personal body, but you are. You are the body of Christ. And right now as you take the bread... Not only are we honoring Him, but we're giving honor to each other. So if you haven't done it yet, just eat the bread right now. We're remembering His sacrifice. He was whipped. He was beaten. His body was pierced and broken. So that you could have life. Just take the cup right now. The cup represents the blood of Jesus. And just drink it in. It represents freedom, forgiveness, healing. There's power in the blood. Before I pray, I just want to ask you to do something right now. I, I want you to turn to the person next to you. Ephraim got you out of your comfort zone a little bit today. Just want to get you a little more out of it. If you could turn to the person next to you, and I want you to say, I won't harm you with the words of my mouth. Even if it's a family member, just say, I won't harm you with the words of my mouth. in your imperfection, in your mess. We give honor to each other. We don't tear each other up. It means I accept you unconditionally. I don't judge you. I don't tear you up. That, that's what unity is and that's what Jesus died for. Anything else is unacceptable and will not be tolerated in this house. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord God. I, I thank you for the spirit of unity that rests in this place, oh God. Father, no division. I break right now by the power of Jesus every dividing wall between fathers and children, husbands and wives. In Jesus' name, between family members, between, between friends, between enemies.
enemies. In Jesus' name, every wall of division, I say it's broken right now in Jesus' name. If there's any wall right now between you and somebody else, just tear it down right now in Jesus' name. Anything of unforgiveness, we break it right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I just release perfect love. Can you just receive right now the love of the Father? It's unconditional, passionate, fiery love. You know what that means? It means there's nothing that you can do to get God to stop loving you. And that's the love you need to have for each other. I want to declare to you right now, I want to come to a new level in God, in love. And I declare to you, there's nothing that you can do to get me not to accept you. You can rebel, and whatever you do, I'm still going to love you. And I want every one of you to have leave here today with that attitude. That's the attitude of Christ. Father, I release that love right now. Father, for those today who are not okay, I just release your healing. Father, let your healing flow. Right now, just let God touch you. Just get a special touch from God right now. If you're not okay, if you're hurting, you're in need today. I just release that right now in Jesus' name. God's healing touch in your life. Father, we thank you right now. Father, we thank you for your unity, Lord God. We thank you for your body, for your blood, so that we can have life, so we can be free, oh God. And God, we just worship you now. Now we're going to now we're going to worship God in a new way, in unity as one, one heart, one mind, one body. Oh God,